This episode of Earl Grey is brought to you by Audible.com, offering more than 180,000 titles for smartphone, tablet, and desktop. To get a free audiobook of your choice and help Trek FM at the same time, visit audibletrial.com slash trekfm. And also by Enterprise in Space, an international program of the nonprofit National Space Society. Find out how you can help science and education and become a virtual crew member aboard the NSS Enterprise Orbiter by visiting enterpriseinspace.org. Hi, this is Marina Sirdis, Deanna Troy from Star Trek The Next Generation. You're listening to Trek FM. Theo Greyheart. It's time for another serving of Earl Grey. I'm Philip Gilfus, sitting in the Senate seat, and I'm joined at the AFT Science Station by Lieutenant Darren Moser, Chief Executive Officer of Radishes, Spores, and Mushrooms Research. Darren, how goes your studies? You know, my collection of uh, Mord's funguses and spores is doing uh, really well. The radish drive, let me tell you, Philip, it is the future. Uh, <laughs> it, it, it actually goes really slow, but the gear ratio is amazing. So I, I think 20, 30 years tops, we're going to have a working prototype. Just you wait. And it tastes terrible. The, the irony of Mr. <laughs> Broccoli working on the radish drive, I appreciate. Um, I'm also joined by Assistant Tactical Officer Ensign Daniel Prude. Now, uh, Daniel, I hear you're installing some retro holographic emitters into our communications arrays. You know, I'm looking forward to all those people we hail just popping out at us. Yeah, it's tough, though. I'm working on the um, sit subroutine so that the people that you're chatting with can become comfortable no matter where they are. It's, right. it's tough, but we're, we're working really hard on it. So, And we have a very comfortable bridge. I mean, we want people to be able to sit down. Oh, so. of course. Absolutely. Yes. Well, as you can probably tell from that opening, we're going to be talking about the origins of Star Trek Discovery in The Next Generation. Um, we wait, have a uh, lot of wait, good stuff. Phil- that- Philip, wait. I, I, I don't think we host this show anymore. Uh, wait, what? I think we when we spore shifted, we actually ended up in Earl Grey, but now our new communications, we're transmitting from City Alpha 3. We're still stranded. Maybe this is a holographic representation. I don't know. But you can listen to us talking about Star Trek every week on City Alpha 3 as we transmit. No one's responding to our hails, Philip. No one's responding. Yeah. This isn't this isn't us anymore. I, I think we're just around. I think we just showed up here because, well, coincidentally, as it may be, this is two hundred episodes of Earl Grey. Two hundred episodes. Oh my 200 goodness. Two hundred episodes. Wow. That that's right, and that's a it's a big celebration for Trek FM and Earl Grey Definitely. and all things Star Trek Next Generation. So, listeners, we want to return you to your regular host, and so have a happy two hundred servings of Earl Grey. Make it so. Engage. Live long and prosper. Well, thank you, guys. Uh, as you guys just heard, uh, the original crew of Earl Grey, uh, Philip, Daniel, and Darren, for their introduction to our 200th episode of Earl Grey. Yay! Yay! <laughs>
<laughs> we are literally sitting on the shoulders of giants. And again, just love the original crew of Earl Grey. Just to put it out there again, I found Trek FM because of them and just so happy to be here hosting now. So thanks, guys. I'm so excited for episode 200. Well, as you heard, you just heard Amy. Yes, I'm your hi host, guys. Richard Marquez. <laughs> and joining me is, as always, the lovely Amy Nelson. Hello, Amy. Hello. <laughs> I just really can't believe 200 episodes. That is so much work. And we've only done... We have only done around 50. Well, Amy and I have done 30-something. Yeah. 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 So, And to do that many and to have Earl Grey be 200 episodes old is awesome awesome and also joining with us is also the amazing justin ozer how you doing justin i'm doing great great to be here with you guys again he's a newbie (laughs) yeah you guys have been here for you know 30 40 something episodes and i've been here for like 10 but (laughs) (laughs) but you know what you make a good impact and we love you for it absolutely yes Thank you so much. Yeah, it's it's great to be here celebrating episode 200 of, of Earl Grey. And yeah, of course, there's no way we could be here without uh, Philip, Daniel, and Darren. So thank them so much for their contribution and coming in to do a little special intro for us for this episode. So today what we're going to be doing is for our 200th episode of Earl Grey, we decided to talk about the 200th episode of Star Trek production, the fourth season episode Cupid. So what does that mean, 200? Because it's not the 200th episode of Next Generation. It's not, but I can explain uh, because I've got to look this up. So so basically, if you look at the episodes of the original series, there was 80, including the cage. There was 22 episodes of the animated series. This also counts the movies. So by this point, there was, I want to say, five movies. Um, and then add that to add to that the number of TNG episodes there had been up to that point. It came to 200, totaling everything in Star Trek, all the episodes and all the movies. So that's how we come to that. Uh, yeah, unfortunately, Next Generation didn't last for 200 episodes, so we couldn't do that. But we could say the 200 Star Trek production was a Next Generation episode. So we're sneaking it in there. Yeah, it, it, it works. Right underneath the way. <laughs> it, it works. It works. It works. You know, it's 200th and we're celebrating our 200th, so why not? (laughs) Yeah, and it's a fun episode. It is a fun episode. And actually, I was surprised that this one, you know, uh, landed right on the 200th because, I mean, I've heard uh, obviously lots of positive things and also negative uh, because, you know, it it is is what it is. (laughs) Everyone loves one and there's always someone who doesn't like it. So, yep. Right. Right. So, for those of you that don't know what this episode is, uh, so obviously this is uh, season four, episode twenty, and uh, basically it's a Q story. That's all it really is. That's all you need to know. I mean, that's it. No. Or, or you could say it's a Q and Vosh story. It is no, a Q and Vosh Q. story. <laughs> okay. Someone doesn't like Vosh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but like, so anyway, so just just to let you guys know, so Q picks up on a romantic tensions between Captain Picard and his old flame. Vosh, or should we just say the woman that shall not be named? Yes. <laughs> because Picard uh, never says her name to anyone else, so I think it is fitting. No, I, I thought after Roe and Riker, Roe was the woman who shall not be named. Yeah. 
Well, I have right. many women that shall not be named. I'm sorry. I'm a right, little right, protective me, of my uh, let, crew there. Let me get through this. Let me get through this. <laughs> so they. Uh, so what happens is that obviously Q picks that up and uh, he transport them. Q, uh, the the entire crew and also Vosh and, and also Q transported them into the world of Robin Hood. So uh, basically, the the eight uh, old time story of Robin Hood saving Ma- uh, Maid Marian. So that's basically what it is. And uh, what were your guys's first impressions? I'm going to start with Justin. Well, the first time I I saw this this episode, so. I think there had been a Q episode since Deja Q in, in season three. And it's kind of a nice follow-up because it's a callback to Q had lost his powers and uh, had to kind of struggle through. And that's a hilarious episode. Now he has his powers back. He wants to give Picard some kind of gift. Picard's really irritated by all of that. Um, it, it's kind of a fun episode all around. I, I think as, as I said in a previous episode, I'm not the biggest fan of Vash, but I actually like her more here than in Captain's Holiday. Um, it, she, I, I feel a little more, more sympathetic to her because what, what's, what's really crazy is that like, it's a, it's a really funny episode, but at the same time, there are times when Q's like sitting back, like having some, something to eat while he watches, you know, Picard and the crew fight for their lives. Like he's amused by them <laughs> having this danger and almost dying, you know? So it, it's a little weird in that way, but I enjoy it. It's kind of a fun take on on Robin Hood, and uh, yeah, I think it's it's fun overall. And rewatching it, I, I enjoyed it again. You know, actually, I was watch, rewatching this episode today, and um, I was talking to, when Je- Jennifer and I were both uh, watching it, and I was like telling her, I was like, yeah, I've been to Sherwood Forest, and I've been to Nottingham Nottingham Castle." And I was like, "It's nothing like that," <laughs> you know, because like I remember when I, and this was like, oh man, early nineteen nineties, uh, sometime. And we were uh, we we went up there as a family trip and everything, you know. And at that time, I think Robin Hood, the one with Kevin Costner, Robin Hood, uh, Prince of out. Thieves. Yeah, that there that, you go. that actually came out a couple months after this episode, and I think that's one of the reasons why they did it. Did it really? Yeah, oh, okay, yeah. right on. Well, like uh, like we uh, we've seen that movie several times, and my sister and I and my dad were all wa- uh, watched it, and you know, thinking that it was gonna be this huge forest, you know, and you know where you can hide and everything, and <clears throat> nope, <laughs> I was like, it's like they hid in this and they couldn't find them, really, <laughs> but obviously, you know, it's a little bit more urbanized than uh, than it was. Uh, than it is today because we're kind of disappointed with it but then again we're kids so not realizing the um you know farms and and urbanization and all that kind of stuff uh really took out most of the forest so but uh yeah back in those days i'm sure it was heavily forested yeah well and here you get a setting that's very much like what you might find in southern california for you know different trees and brush (laughs) ruining the illusion man (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, what do you what do you think, Amy? Well, I think it's a very fun, lighthearted episode. And when you look at season four, like this is you know uh, next gen, just firing on all cylinders. Many many people love season four. And as I was looking at the episodes that came just before Cupid, I mean, I starting. I mean, First Contact, Galaxy's Child, Night Terrors, Identity Crisis, The Nth Degree. I mean, these are all pretty heavy 
topics and then we get Cupid. And I think it's just a breath of fresh air. It's very light. That's not too heavy. I mean, there are a couple things that we'll, we'll talk about, you know, later, but as far as my initial thoughts, man, it, it just is so fun and to see them. I mean, we always love, this is like a holodeck episode, but not in the holodeck, right? Because now they're in Sherwood Forest, but they get to dress up and they're in a different, you know, uh, atmosphere and environment. And you can see, I think that the characters or the actors really enjoy that as well because they seem to be lighter and stuff like that. So it's just a super fun episode, you know, in the midst of such heavy topics to be discussed. And the one after Cupid is the drumhead, you know, and that's another heavy, you know, episode. So I think I love Cupid and it's just fun to pop in to watch. It's really fun. I'm kind of curious about something. You were talking about it not being on the holodeck and I hadn't thought about this. Like where does Q actually send them? Cause I don't think he's sending them back in like earth history. Cause it's kind of a fictionalized Story that maybe is based on a little grain of truth, but like, where is he sending them? Well, when they get sent, um, Picard says, well, this is Q sending us to his idea of what Sherwood Forest is. So in my mind, um, in the episode, when we first meet Q, where they send them to with Tasha Yar, do you remember the name? Yeah. To the courtroom area. This is an no, where they go point. to the battle with the pig, Oh, you're talking about Hyde and Q, I think it is. Yeah. 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 And so that's sort of just this, you know, made up place where Q sent them. And so in my mind, I'm thinking, well, this is just another place where Q sent them. And it's just completely confined in Q's because it's not going to affect any timeline. It's not going to affect any other culture. This is just a Q place where he's putting them. Like the, like a little, uh, holodeck or room inside the Q continuum or something. Yes. <laughs> okay. I like that. Or like a little box or something like that. Yeah. Here maybe like day, maybe like a little like, li- like a little cube like Moriarty. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There you go. <laughs> See it all comes around in Star Trek. Yeah. There you go. It, it all it comes yeah, comes around. <laughs> Awesome. Well, I mean, I, I actually like I like this episode. I mean, it's not one of my you know go to ones. I mean, I haven't seen this episode. Uh, oof, it's been a while since I've seen this episode. But I mean, as soon as we uh, as soon as we just started discussing that we we're going to actually discuss this one, it's a really fun, um, uh, very fun uh, episode to watch. Uh, Jennifer loved it. Um, <laughs> so she, she loves some of the humor and I'm like, no, 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 look, 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 look. He's, he's going to smash the thing. <laughs> and, and I love that part. And we'll discuss that later, but like, oh my gosh, it was lots of, lots of quotes that, uh, that you can definitely come out, uh, come out of this. And, um, and you know, we discussed a lot about, uh, like that, uh, Vash. And one of the things that, you know, I was thinking when, when I was watching the episode and how we've discussed, uh, how Picard and let's say um, what, what is that uh, astrometric officer? What was her name? Nella Darren. Nella Darren. Darren. Is that her screen name as well? Yeah. Was it? Yeah. Her name is Nella Darren. Commander Nella Darren. Oh, there you go. Okay, so there we go. <laughs> but like uh, you know, I was thinking about their relationship, Vosh's relationship with Picard, and why it didn't work with Vosh. And I firmly believe that it's because. 
it's because of Q. I mean, I think, I mean, she's obviously an archaeologist at heart, but at the same time, she's out there for profit uh, to sell all these artifacts. Now, whether or not she wants to put it in a museum or not, or, or want to make Latinum or something like that, I just think that what that was one of the things that, um, that was probably the main reason why Vash and Picard did not, um, uh, did not end up together like we th- like we could like they could have after uh, Captain's Holiday. But clearly, he didn't talk about her <laughs> to the rest of the crew. What well, do you guys think? I-, I think it didn't work out, and I don't. I think Q has nothing to do with it. And it sums. And I think Picard sums it up perfectly when at the end of the episode, he's. Vash tells her, tells Picard, well, I'm going to go off with Q. And he's like, what? Why would you do that? Q is so unreliable, inconsistent, just so selfish. And, you know, and he lists all these attributes that is Q. And then she says, remind you of anyone? And it's like, oh, yeah. Okay. So now Picard's realizing, yeah. It is a great fit for Q because they are so similar, and that's why it would never have worked, even if Picard was trying to fool himself and, you know, trying to make it work. It just never would have worked. So, yeah. Yeah, I think Picard has a certain fascination, but there's all of these things that he finds that she's in it for herself, she's in it for profit, she's going to, you know, take what she can from archaeological sites, and I I don't think it would work. Um, Now, out of curiosity amy um have you seen the uh deep space nine episode that has q and Vosh? i don't think oh you have. gosh anyway it's not the best episode no, but it's it, follow- but it's didn't a they show up on voyager not Vosh, but q oh, not Vosh, okay yeah all right just q and his son and um i guess spouse yeah yeah actually you know what that's funny you mentioned that because i actually just watched that episode oh. <laughs> Yeah, but anyway, um, but yeah, I, I can definitely see it. Q and Vosh are a better match because they like to make mischief, and it's fun to have some power and do some stuff. Right? That's kind of their thing. <laughs> yeah, I thought you know comparing to their relationship in Captain's Holiday versus this one. Yeah, I think you're right. Captain Picard has a curiosity about her, and that. You know, I mean, some people say opposites attract and attract, and we are seeing that for sure with these two characters. I I love the interplay when when Vosh uh, is you know eating breakfast after obviously spending the night with Jean Luc as she continues to call him, and that sort of rubs me the wrong way. And um, and then Beverly's like. Oh, we usually have breakfast. And then she Beverly just comes right in, starts drinking her tea with them. That is so great. And so I really, I think that uh, like with Vosh, they don't really know her and Picard is not willing to talk about her. And I think she gets that realization. And so throughout the episode, she seems more distanced and pulled back because she realizes that Picard never has mentioned her to anyone, especially to Counselor Troy. She's like, well, aren't you supposed to counsel him? Isn't he supposed to talk to you? You know? So I like Vosh better here in this one because she's not so, 
She's just more distant, I think, with it. I think this is the last time we see her, don't we? This is the last time we see her in TNG. In TNG, yeah. right. That's what I meant. It is. <laughs> and, and I'm always surprised by that. You know, I, I watched this episode and I'm like, really? She was only there twice? I thought she was there more. But yeah, just, just this and Captain's Holiday and that's it for her on, on TNG. Again, one appearance on, on DS9, but... It's not like she sees Picard uh, in DS9 anyway. She talks about him, but yeah, that's really that's really about it. Yeah. I mean, and her character, you would think, as I think about this a little more, she is very commanding. And when she comes into a room, like she owns the room. It, oh, yeah. You know, nobody's you know, nobody's going to ignore her, right? Yeah. And she comes to the bridge and, oh, is this where John Luke sits? You know, I mean, just no hesitation. She's going. And so I can see why... Picard would, you know, find that attractive because, you know, he would want a strong woman in his life. Well, when you're a smuggler, you kind of have to be. <laughs> <laughs> have to be strong. Especially when you're stealing uh, artifacts and stuff like that. You kind of have to be. <laughs> well, but I mean, you could be a smuggler and play the play your cards as no one's going to remember me. But I think with Fash, everyone remembers her. Yeah, but I mean, if you're looking for an opening or something like that, especially when you're when you're trying to probe for uh, weaknesses, I mean, let's take. Okay, this will be a tangent, but this is Star Wars. I mean, let's talk about you okay. know Han Solo is very uh, very suave and everything, and asks, asks a lot of questions as well, and he's very commanding as well. So I don't know. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, I don't know. That's a uh, to me that's a classic trait. <laughs> but yeah, yeah. Not that I know smugglers. <laughs> but um, continuing with Vosh, like it's, and I like her in this episode better than Captain's Holiday because we do get to see her interaction with almost every one of the crew because, you know, first it's with Beverly. Well, obviously with Picard. But, you know, when Beverly uh, joins him for breakfast and then they, Beverly starts showing around the ship. And so you get to see them one-on-one with each other. That's classic. I mean, that's so, so good. And then Beverly gets called to sick bay, and so there's Riker. And so we get to see Riker and Vosh one-on-one. Oh, and do you notice, like, as soon as, as Vosh comes in, Riker gets his slowly spreading smile? <laughs> oh, my goodness. Oh, yeah. For sure. And so we get to see Vosh, obviously, with Counselor Troy. And so we get to see Vosh interacting with way more of the crew than we ever saw in Captain's Holiday. And I think, um, do you remember the actress's name? I just saw it and I, in my head and I can't. Jennifer. He- yeah. Uh, Jennifer uh, Hetrick, is it? Yeah, Jennifer Hetrick, it is. Yeah. And um, so, and her acting in this one, just to me, is really just spot on. And, and I like seeing the interplay that she has with the different uh, crew members. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I like that as well. And, and you get to see more of her personality because, yeah, for Captain's Holiday, Picard interacts with her and so do, you know, the people on Ryza with all their schemes and stuff. But the rest of the crew has no idea. They haven't even heard of her until this episode. So it's really great to, to see that. And you get to see more of, of her character and her interactions. And it seemed like in Captain's Holiday, she was this person that was just kind of ruthless and out for herself. Um, but here... She has kind of some bruised feelings that Picard didn't tell people about her. So you see this other side makes you more sympathetic toward her, that she has some, you know, feelings and wants to people to know that she means something to someone, you know? Yeah. she Yeah. She, she's more vulnerable and therefore well, relatable. 
so on the other side of that, and here's how here's how I'm seeing it. You know, I live a very private life, and I don't tell anyone everything. You know. And I just think that it it, it just shows uh, Picard is more of a very it shows how very private he is. I mean, not saying that everyone in this uh, in his crew it doesn't know anything about it in his life. Like you know, obviously the Borg and everything. And he gets a oh wait, did it happen? No. <clears throat> anyway, uh, <laughs> but like uh, you know, it's just it's just it just shows really how much how private Picard is. And uh, I mean, I I, I guess. Do you think? Do you think if it if it was uh, if it was Kirk and Vosh that he would everyone on the ship would have known about it? I mean, do you think like with a different captain it would be different, or is just has something to do with the position of being a Starfleet captain? I think it has something to do with the Starfleet captain because it really. Um, I don't know. We, I don't think we really saw that in the original series. Yeah. The, uh, I mean, obviously he has romantic relationships, but you never see that interplay between the two about or between the crew and him really about the uh, previous relationships unless it comes unless it's up something, obviously with unless them. it's a person that's actually on the ship right right exactly and it's like and I was just thinking about that I think it has to do with more of a commander you know uh, you don't want to leave yourself vulnerable but I mean I guess at the same time when you've been together that long I guess it kind of has to happen and it unfolds in your personal relationship or your personal relationship is going to mesh in with your professional especially when you know you really can't have one <laughs> Especially on a starship. Yeah, well, she definitely heard that time and time again. Well, you know, Captain Card is a very, oh, I know, a private man. <laughs> <laughs> well, he's not so private when Q's around, right? <laughs> I mean, he's always intruding on on, on their little private moments and uh, just coming out of the start or coming out of the bulkhead and just looking at everything. <laughs> yeah, Q is he's kind of uh, a little peeping tom, isn't he? Right? It's a little creepy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they're like, creepy. aren't you going to kiss her goodbye? And then he pops in as like, oh, oh. I forgot my hat. Really? Mm-hmm. Well, there's that part. But then then there's a part where his head is poking through the, the bulkhead. Is that when he's checking in? Is it on Picard or is it on Bosch? Well, it's Bosch's quarters. So Bosch's yeah. quarters. Like, ugh. Yeah. <laughs> he's pretty creepy at some points in here. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So- we get to see... Um, Q again in Picard's quarters when I think he's this sleeping. Is the f- yeah, this is the first time that that. Uh, <laughs> and he's like that, right that he there, right in his bed, Picard you know, bed. right there. Yeah, you know. It, speaking of his quarters, you would think that they would have drapes over their uh, over their uh, windows or something like that, or some kind of privacy. Because I, I, you think so? Because there could be a ship passing by, and you could, oh, like could like see, see your... in those tiny little <laughs> yeah. windows. No, no, I'm serious. Because that's exactly what. Um, oh, it was a Voyager episode, and they were talking about why don't you put drapes, you know, in case we pull into a a busy starport that no, uh, you know, no one can see and see. Don't but they have saying, the little things that like? blinds that come down or is that voyager i like, don't think any starship has down one. and then it goes up maybe you're thinking of enterprise because i don't remember drapes okay. or anything like that okay i don't i, do I don't think so but there is a voyager episode where they're going through a void in space in the episode night i think it is where they talk about you know it'd be nice to put up some drapes but i don't think they do because they're just so distracted by there being like nothing outside the window right and I guess you know ninety percent of the time you're you're not going to worry about that, but those one times where someone could be like binoculars and everything. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. You're you're I don't know in in space dock or you know docked at a station, and there's another ship that's over here. Maybe they could see. I don't know. 
Who knows? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. I don't know. But, I mean, that's creepy enough as is. <laughs> so, speaking of being creepy, let's talk about Q. <laughs> so, um, he says that uh, Q wants to, uh, says that he wants to repay uh, a debt to uh, to Picard, obviously for helping him out when he uh, when he was to, you know casted out from uh, the Q continuum. Um, but like he's endangering everyone's lives, and is he funny or is he menacing in this episode? See, I think he's pretty funny and also menacing. But a question came up in my mind: like, really, would he really have let anybody be executed or killed? Was that really the at stake? I don't know. He makes it seem like it and the crew believes it, but I don't know if he really would have done that. Like, oh, well, I guess, you know, Picard and Vosh are going to get their head chopped off. Would he have gone through that with that? No, it wouldn't be fun. <laughs> then his fun would end. Like, Picard, the most fun he could possibly have would be dead. <laughs> I mean, he, he plucked, you know, well, obviously it hasn't happened yet, but he plucked him from death. I mean, so he could replace his heart. Well, not replace his heart, but he still, I mean, he probably could have, he probably had something to do with um, him surviving on the table when he gets his heart uh, yeah. worked on. So, in tapestry. Yeah. But, but what do you think, Amy? I mean, is, is he funny? Is he menacing? What, what He's is he? He's completely funny in this episode. And I don't think that he would, in any way, shape, or form, allow anyone to get hurt too bad. And if they did, he would just bring them back and reset you know, the time continuum. So he brought I, Tasha I back to life in the, <laughs> in the you, you, you beat me to it. <laughs> I was just about to say something about it. <laughs> yeah. So he can do that. But I mean, but then again, he brings them face to face with the Borg in season two and 18 people die and never come back. So, you know, he causes some death. <laughs> oh, those were red shirts. Oh, come on, Amy. <laughs> they mean should mean just as much to us as anybody yes, else. <laughs> that's true. That's true. Well, I think in Q-Who that there was a purpose for that. And, and so I do think that there is a purpose in Cupid as well. And so I guess we can talk about it now because he is trying to tell Picard something. And that's what I like about Q is you look at each of the times that he is on the episode, and especially uh, at Encounter at Farpoint, and then most especially, if I can say that, um, at All Good Things, where it's like, in All Good Things, Q is trying to push Picard, you know, to see beyond right now, you know, and that's why he did the three times and da-da-da. But in this one with Cupid, he's like, I'm trying to teach you, this is where you're vulnerable, and again, just looking at to yourself and it's like, where is it that you can improve? Where are you vulnerable? And what can you do to protect yourself? And I just feel like Q is trying to tell Picard something as he does in almost every episode. So what, what do you think? Do you remember that scene I'm talking about where he's like, you're vulnerable and yeah. Vosh found it. And then she steps up and was like, no, he's not. This is what makes him a great guy type of thing. So I, I don't know. And, and is it, does love make you vulnerable and therefore susceptible to, you know, being overcome or losing your power? It's interesting. You mentioned that, that he's bringing some lessons to each one. It's almost like cue the teacher, like he's there to, to help teach a lesson or in some ways, you know, guide Picard to being a better human being. The inappropriate teacher. Well, 
<laughs> and I guess now Maybe I sort teacher. of do that after yeah. my uh, Q reading the Q books, mm-hmm. and I'm and you have read them too. It's like you know, Q, this is Q's little domain after reading the Q trilogy. Which one, Q Continuum? Yeah. Okay. Well, and and that gives a good explanation, like that for why Q has this special relationship with with right. humans. Uh, so yeah, I can see that, and he's coming there. I mean. Like in Q's own kind of inflated sense of ego way, he's coming there and saying, you helped me. How can I help you? And Picard's really grumpy about it. He's like, go away, get out of my chair. You can but, leave. But I mean, like if, if I, cause I know Picard's been annoyed by him before and all the stuff he's done. But if Picard were to step back and be like, wait a minute, this guy is trying to do something for us. He's never really offered that before. So maybe I should think about what I want. And, and when he can't, Q has to give him a really hard lesson. Like, this is making you vulnerable and I need you to realize that. And he does. So, yeah, he's doing him a favor. Yeah. And in going with that, and I can see why Picard doesn't, because Picard doesn't trust Q. And mm-hmm. so you've got someone trying to give you a gift um, who you don't trust well, what is that gift going to entail? What are the strings are attached? Like, if I tell you I wanted something, would you really get it? You know, you don't want to say something that you truly want and then have that person just smash all over it. You know what I mean? So I can sort of see Picard doing that and saying, yeah, you're trying to give me a gift. No, thank you, because I don't trust you at all. Yeah, and he's saying... and. And, you know, from the very first time we see Q, there's good reason why Picard shouldn't trust him. Like at, at the same time, um, you know, just by by saying the gift you can give me is by going away, he should know at some level that's not going to satisfy Q or that's not what he's looking for. And he's just going to get mischievous and do something he doesn't want. I wonder what would have happened if Picard would have said, OK, you want to do something for me? Then, you know, destroy the Borg for all time. So we never have to worry about them. Would he have done that? I don't know. <laughs> No, Picard would not have said that. Probably he, not. No, but because he would have sent Hugh back with that bug. That hasn't happened yet. I know, but I'm saying <laughs> that's his character. Okay. He wouldn't have done that because he didn't do that. Time is nonlinear here on Earl Grey. Okay, I, all right, <laughs> true. Or he could have said something like, you know... And Picard wouldn't destroy an entire okay, species. Okay, okay. So, but what if he said something like liberate the, the Borg and return them to their, their previous lives? Or I don't know, that some, I something that, that could add to to the world or the universe. He could have, but he was just kind of annoyed in the moment. But it kind of works because we get this fun Robin Hood adventure. <laughs> oh, absolutely. <laughs> fun Robin Hood adventure? I mean, some people didn't like it. <laughs> well, I know not everybody I mean, likes it. Seriously. But I mean, there's so many funny moments in this episode. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. <laughs> I mean, definitely one of my favorites is obviously when Jordy's trying to, obviously he's making, uh, you know, he, oh. he's playing badly. Very oh, badly. It's, harp? it's like a, loot, a, harp? a loot or something loot. like that. Yes, yeah. a loot. There you go. So he's like playing it and, you know, it even you know, it kills me in my ears. I'm like, <laughs> It's terrible. Do this to me. And then, of course, just like any other Star Trek fan or anyone would have came up and just smashed it. (laughs) Yeah, but then Worf, like, hands it back to him. I'm like, dude, that's hilarious. (laughs) Yeah, why even apologize? You're not sorry. 
<laughs> and he didn't even protest. It's like, okay, yeah, I know I suck. He's like, yeah, I'm, I'm terrible, and uh, you're much more powerful, so I'll just accept that. Yeah. I love that. Okay, so another funny moment, which you know I'm going to bring up, where Counselor Troy is shooting the arrow, and bam, <laughs> right into Data. And he just like, she's like, oh, I'm so sorry. He's like... Um, I'll, you know, I'm functioning fine. That's okay. No, wait, wait, what he says is, don't worry, counselor. I believe your aim is improving. Yes. <laughs> and I love that. Like her aim was worse than hitting data straight in the yeah. chest. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so speaking of Troy, so when, when they were assaulting the whole entire castle and everything, um, so did you guys take a look at, uh, Beverly Crusher's, uh, face when she smashed that plan on that guy? No. Like she was thoroughly enjoying yes. it. Yes. And then she just smashed it and you could see the thrill in her in her face. Yep. As, that she, felt as she goes good. off camera. Yeah. Troy didn't even look like she she looked, oh I'm sorry. Like she was about to say, <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm like, well that that takes away from it. <laughs> but yeah, it's like I, I thir I she thoroughly enjoyed uh hitting that uh hitting that guy with the plant. <laughs> yeah, crusher crushed it. <laughs> boom. Yeah. And that's it for Amy. Don't, don't forget to tip your waitress. I'm here all night. <laughs> I kind of wish, though, that instead of, you know, hitting people with, with potted plants that, that they really knew how to fight in. But, oh, well. Well, at least they had helmets on. <laughs> that's, that's true. But, I mean, I think they, they were kind of going all the way with, with the Robin Hood kind of story. And that's the kind of thing that a woman would do in a Robin Hood story, right? Probably. Maybe, yeah. maybe not. Well, Am I not familiar enough with the original story? Amy's giving me like a really <laughs> a glance. <laughs> no, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> but it's, it's fun. You know what one of my favorite moments is in this episode? So at the beginning of the episode, uh, Q has come to ask, you know, what Picard wants. Um, and he says, you know, I would have taken my own life, but for you. And Picard says, we all make mistakes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love that so much. I almost fall out of my chair laughing every time I hear that because there's a great Picard one-liner. <laughs> <laughs> we all make mistakes. Yeah. And that was right after, you know, Q had, had asked him if he wanted a, a big hug and asked him, you know, don't stand there, say something. And Picard just says, get out of my chair. <laughs> I just love their interaction because Q irritates him. Picard comes back with some scathing line. It's it's so funny. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, definitely a lot of funny moments. <laughs> well, but Richard, how can we not mention probably the most famous funny moment of this episode? Wait, yes, wait, how is can it, we? I am not a merry man. Yes, it is. <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> yeah, definitely. I love that. <laughs> So Worf. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. He's not he's not really a merry man anyway. <laughs> <laughs> well, when he's drinking with his other Klingon friends and uh in and all that, he is. But he is, but not yeah. when you put him in some ridiculous costume. <laughs> oh yeah. I think I think he looked good as Will Scarlet. No? Yes, he did. Yeah. Very much so. Uh, I mean, he looked better than Riker, in my opinion. Yeah, what did Riker have on? Was it just like like a some animal hide or something. What was he wearing? Yeah, it looked like a some kind of wolf pattern. I'm sure, or wolf pattern. 
<laughs> it was some kind of wolf fur. There you go. That pattern. <laughs> he looked like that he had gained 20 pounds. I don't know what. He just looked extra big. And maybe there was like some padding because he was supposed to be little John, right? Who's right. the big guy. Yeah. Right. But Riker doesn't get and to do much in the episode, does he? No. No. <laughs> <laughs> well, he's he's also he's also very tall, you know. He, yeah. He's probably like one out of the. He's probably the one percent that are even that tall anyway, especially mm. in that time frame. <laughs> yeah. So I don't know, you know, malnutrition, you know, <laughs> and all that. Amy, did you like uh, Troy's uh, uh, outfit? I'm assuming you did. Yeah, she looked really good in it for sure. <laughs> Way better than the goddess of empathy. <laughs> Oh, I don't know. People would actually argue with you. No way. I can't believe anyone would like her in that. She looked really good here. Then you can't believe me because I like her in that. Troy Troy herself (laughs) tells that goddess of empathy to muzzle it and go away. So she doesn't like the outfit either, I think. That's right. (laughs) Well, yeah. But you know, oh, there, oh, there's one other moment. So when when they're in ten forward and Worf sees Vosh and he says, "Nice legs for a human." <laughs> That's so funny. Oh, My goodness, God. the way that Michael Dord says stuff is—he just has perfect timing, doesn't he? Yeah, he does. <laughs> I mean, I wonder if he says that with Picard because I mean, he does wear tights in his uh, in his dress uniform. So you know, Captain, you have yeah. nice legs. For a human. <laughs> <laughs> You'll see Klingons walking around that. <laughs> no, the Klingon dress uniform does not look like that that early one with the tights. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's a little bit tight. <laughs> one one thing, it's not really funny, but I, I like the interplay with Vosh and Q. And I think when Q realizes, so Vosh is supposed to be beheaded, right? Because she's not going to marry and then come to find out, oh, she's going to marry the guy. What's his Sir name? Guy? Sir Guy? Yeah. Sir Guy, yeah. I so meant to do that, <laughs> listeners. Yep. <laughs> you know, and so we're, and Q's like, what? There's, gonna, there's not going to be a, a beheading? And no, because Vosh is going to marry. And she's going to, and that's what I like about her, is she's going to do whatever it takes to, yeah, take care of herself. And that is awesome and, and something that I think we all should do. You got to take care of you. And even if someone thinks that they're playing you, you flip the script. Yeah. I have to say, though, every time I see this, I think, would somebody really give a choice like marry me or get your head cut off? That just seems really odd. But <laughs> Well, if you have if you have absolute power like some of the lords did back in those days, yeah, I would I would assume so. I mean... In a sense, I guess Maine Mary well, would be like yeah. a trophy. I mean, I, I guess if we think of like a historical precedence, you know, Henry VIII chopped off the heads of some of his wives because they didn't have children for him. Is that right? Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> no, and that's it was, what I was because thinking. it was because they were getting he he was getting daughters and not sons. Oh, because he was getting daughters that's why and Edward not sons. The first was yeah, because Edward was the was okay. the first son. Yeah, that's yeah, that's um, yeah. yeah, that's pretty cold blooded. That's, and that's that, my that's my freaking. Um, Living in England, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I mean that's that's something that actually happened like what five hundred years ago. So okay, all right. I well, guess there's it's I think there's coercion. Yeah. Well, it, so 
So, you know, a, a question that uh, Jennifer and I uh, came up with when we were watching uh, Vosh, you know, interact with Sir Guy, um, would someone like that stick out? I mean, I'm not saying, okay, just a disclosure, I'm not saying women are stupid or anything like that or cunning or whatnot. I'm just saying, like, like a woman of the 24th century being educated as she is, going back to the 14th century, um, would... That would she draw a different kind of of attention than a normal a normal woman would do back then, or or you know do you do you understand what I'm saying? Do you guys understand what I, I'm saying? I kind of know where you're going, but I think in different periods of time, even um, when women haven't had as as many you know rights or, or ways of doing things, there have been you know women who have been strong or resisted in in certain ways. So. I don't know. Would she have stood out? I don't know. I didn't live during that time. Haven't read too much about <laughs> it. But, but I mean, I, I think that it's important when we think about what actually happened that not everyone's going to be the same and some people are going to be different, even if yeah. there's some suppression going on. Well, and I think it stands out when Vosh sends um, her, her handmaiden to try and go and deliver this letter. You know, Vosh is like, you need to go deliver this. And... The lady's like, no, it's too dark. I can't do that, you know, so that timid, you know, and I think that her character just would be like, well, this is what has to be done, whether she is in that time period or in the 24th century. I think, yeah, I think she is who she is. Yeah, but also the role that that she has is probably someone that's higher in society than this handmaiden and can give out those kinds of orders and is used to people doing what she would want to. So I, I sometimes it can be like a, a difference in what's expected of, of different classes, you know? Mm. Yeah. Or maybe she, that was typical for a noble woman. I don't know. I don't know if they actually got schooling or not. It depended on so. the time period, I think. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. yeah. So, <sighs> all right. So final thoughts, Mr. Justin, what'd you think? Well, it was, it was fun taking a look at this episode. You know, when uh, we were coming up with this idea, I was like, Please, I hope episode 200 is really good and it's not something god-awful. <laughs> so, there's nothing <laughs> oh god-awful in Next oh. Gen. No, 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 but uh, there's got to be... Okay, let, look, at, look at the list. <laughs> no, no, that's season one, dude. <laughs> oh, no. you mean like in season four or something that's awful? Um, I'm sure we could name something. I know, you're, you're a fan of, of, of everything. That's fine. We've I, done I'm, Unsung, and so every episode deserves a little love. Even Aquiel. <laughs> Or it could. I mean, looking at some of these, some of these episodes. I mean, yeah. I guess. I guess um, it landed really well in uh, in the uh, season. So I guess, yeah. If it was like there was an episode in season three or something like that, I I think we'd all beg to differ that there might be some not so great episodes <laughs> but like um oh how awesome would it have been if it landed on darmok oh now we're gonna play the what if game <laughs> i'm just saying i'm just what saying. if the original series went for five seasons <laughs> and the 200th one was <laughs> but it, but anyway I, I it was it was a really fun episode i'm glad that we we talked about it i always enjoy watching it it's it's a really fun you know q episode vosh is I think more sympathetic, a better character in this episode. There's some funny lines. There's some, some great stuff to think about. It's a nice period piece. I mean, there's all this stuff that comes together in it that works really well. So 
I, I really enjoyed this and it's, it's just a really fun episode that uh, I'm glad we got a chance to talk about. Amy? Well, at the time we're recording, this is a school day for me. So in preparation, I wanted to watch the video, but I didn't have any time. So it, during my prep period, I just put it up on the big screen. <laughs> I projected it on the screen and had the whole sound system going. So it was just you and it, what, in, in a classroom watching it on a big screen? Yeah. Wow. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> You know, through the speaker system, because we have speaker systems, you know, in, at my school. And so, um, but it was funny because, you know, people come in and out. I, of course, had my door Oh, there were people coming in? <laughs> yeah. So did you have like the speakers up like really loud or something like that? A, a little bit because I, I, yeah, of course, it's Star Trek. <laughs> <laughs> and so it was funny because that's not your typical Star Trek environment they're out here in the forest in these weird costumes. And so people would come in and they're like, well, what are you, is that Star Trek? And I was like, yeah, that's Star Trek. So they're like, well, what are they doing? And so I got to explain a couple of times, you know, to people what the episode was and why it's so weird and, and not your typical, you know, Star, Star Trek Next Generation episode. And so for that, I just think it is so... It's a great episode. It is so different. You can say Cupid, and anyone who knows anything about TNG knows exactly what it is. That's not something, it's not an episode that people are going to forget. You know, because even me, and I love TNG, like, you say an episode, and I'm like, oh, now which one was that? You know, it just, this one is very memorable, and it's got so much good humor. You can see the the characters really interacting one with another, having fun. I really enjoy this episode, and I'm glad that it is 200 and that we get to talk about it for 200th episode of Earl Grey. So since we're talking about our days um, that on, 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 that we're recording, I'm actually suffering from a hangover <laughs> from my beer fest yesterday. But what... Um, but <laughs> anyway... <laughs> no, but like... Um, Definitely, uh, yeah, this episode, I mean, watch watching it back when I watched it, it was a great episode. I thought it was fun, exciting, and it was a great adventure. And, you know, like I said, I mean, it's not one of those ones I just pop in because I want to. But since we were talking about it and watched it again, and it's like, it's a very fun episode. Um, you know, there were a couple of things that I forgot. Uh, some of the jokes that just made me laugh again. And it, it's definitely one of those uh, fun ones that uh, you can definitely... Um, yeah, experience. I mean, you definitely call. I mean, I we can definitely call back to this episode quite a bit because there's a lot of those one-liners that are funny that are just great. <laughs> so, um, definitely good episode. Yeah, and I mean, how many hundreds of times have you seen a meme with Worf saying, "I am not a married man"? A lot, exactly. right? <laughs> it's one of my go-to's. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> definitely. Well, it has been so much fun talking about Cupid in the 200th episode of Earl Grey, but this that isn't the only thing we've been talking about here on the network. Here's what you might have missed elsewhere on Trek FM. Previously on Trek.FM, The Edge, a Star Trek Discovery podcast. For an opening episode to get that relationship like you could see that that crew really had been working together for seven years which is so wow. not normal for 
a launch for a first episode, right? Because you, yeah. you've got the odds, but they seemed to be have working forever together. The camaraderie that they had, the trust that they have with each other. To the journey! And then, you know, they're all up on the bridge and everyone's like, oh, what's Bellana doing with her day off? And Tom's like, oh, she's binge-watching Bill Nye. <laughs> she's been there, you know, in her PJs since 8 o'clock this morning. <laughs> I can picture she's been watching Bill Nye all day. Tom comes home and she says to Tom, you know, Tom, have you ever thought about wearing a bow tie? <laughs> <laughs> but if he's on the bridge and then says all that, would Captain Janeway know who Bill Nye the science guy is? Uh, Yeah. <laughs> it's Janeway. The 602 Club. So I graduated from high school in 1984. So this film came out in my, what, sophomore year in high school? So that was like prime formative years for me. Um, this is, you know, this and Mad Max were the R-rated movies that me and all of my friends wanted to go see. Meta Trex. It knows to point that out and say, that's red. You know, it, it will correctly identify the red shirt as red, but really perceives it like we perceive blue. I knew Kirk should have wore his green tunic when he went to fight the Gorn. Yeah, it would have made all the difference. It would have made all the difference. And that's what else is happening on Trek.fm. Check out all these shows and join the conversation about your favorite corner of the Star Trek universe and beyond. You'll find us wherever you get your podcasts. If you're an Apple user, be sure to hit the subscribe button in Apple Podcasts on iPhone, iPad, or Apple TV, or the desktop iTunes app to get the latest episodes as soon as they are published. And please leave us a star rating and written review. If you're not an Apple user, we've got you covered as well. You can find our shows on Google Play Music, Stitcher, TuneIn, Spreaker, SoundCloud, Windows Phone, in most third-party apps, and you can stream and download the MP3 file from our website, and grab the RSS link. We'd love to hear your thoughts on, sh- on today's show. And there are many ways for you to do that. The best place to, uh, is to join the larger conversation on the Babel Conference, our l- listeners group on Facebook. Just type Babel, B-A-B-E-L, into the search field on, on Facebook, and it should come right up. If you'd like to send us an email, you can use the form on our website at trek.fm contact. Choose to send to a show and select Earl Grey. That will come right to us. You can also find the network on Twitter at TrekFM and on Facebook at Facebook.com slash TrekFM. So Justin, where can people contact you? Well, you can find me on Twitter. I'm at TrekFan4747, where I tweet about nothing but Star Trek. Currently tweeting out my Season 3 TNG rewatch. And you can also find me hanging around the Babel Conference on Facebook. Richard, where can people find you? Well, people can find me not galloping in Sherwood Forest right now, um, but I am also on Facebook. Uh, I pop in here and there on the Babel Conference. And also, I am on Twitter, and my handle is xransom. And just to let you guys know, I turned my notifications back on, so now I'll start responding faster. <laughs> Very good, Richard. Right? Very good. <laughs> so um, I've actually been tweeting uh, more about the Orville and uh, other things, so we'll see if we can get that. So. Amy, where can people find you? Well, you can find me here on the network. I am co-hosting on The Edge, and I co-host with Aaron Harvey, Michael Schindler, and Brandon Shea-Mutella. I do a little mini show called Postcards from The Edge, where we talk nothing but fan response. So I'm really enjoying that and hearing 
what each of you who's on the Babel Conference or Twitter uh, get to think about the newest Star Trek Discovery. I am also on Twitter, at Miss Amy Nelson, but my favorite place is on the Babel Conference. Now, guys, we have a lot going on here at Trek FM, and it takes a little bit of money to produce and to host and to distribute these shows each month. And if you would like to help us keep all of our shows coming to you each week, please consider becoming a patron of the network at Patreon. That's You can visit patreon.com slash trekfm, p-a-t-r-e-o-n dot com slash trekfm to get all the details. There's some perks, and you can donate at any level that you would like. Um, perks include early access and exclusive content, producer credits, and so much more. And in fact, that's where I started on the network was uh, on the patrons roundtable. And Justin, you started there too. I started there as well. My very first podcasting experience was on the patrons roundtable last year. It's an amazing thing to to take part in. Um, and I hope that more people, you know, donated the level to be able to, to be a part of that. It's a really great experience. Yeah. If you're interested to get more involved in the network, that's a great way to get your foot in the door and to talk to everyone who's there on the round tables. It's really a lot of fun. So um, you can do that there. And we have at the $25 level, associate producers, and we have some amazing associate producers, and that would be Norman Lau, Justin Ozer, and Michael Huter. Thank you so much for supporting Earl Grey, and uh, please consider donating at patreon.com. So join us next time for another cup of Earl Grey. Great joy and gratitude. We all make mistakes. Nice legs for human. <laughs>